Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's August 3rd, just a few days before the opening of Notre Dame's training camp. I'm with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. And we're going to tackle some camp questions in segment two in terms of who we're looking forward to see, who we're maybe a little bit higher on than most, who we think maybe has maybe a little bit more to prove than other people. Uh, But first, we didn't address this last week. The 13th game conference that came out of uh, ESPN's car wash where virtually every coach seemed to be asked about Notre Dame. And every coach seemed to say that they needed to join a conference or play a 13th game. Uh, There seemed to be no follow-up question for any of these coaches about why other than I want them to. So let's talk about that. The 13th game, I think, is a more interesting topic than joining a conference, which is just not going to happen. Uh, Tim, you you wrote about the 13th game a little bit, just some of your thoughts on that, which I thought were interesting. Where where are you at But in these two topics? Well, there were a few people that said, wait, the, this, the issue is not the 13th game. The issue is Notre Dame joining the conference. And, and I just kind of move past that in the editorial because Notre Dame's not going to join a conference. So, you know, if the, there's the outcry there and Notre Dame has to do something to, quote, level the playing field, although this wouldn't completely do it, you know, you'd have to, the NCAA would have to, uh, you know, waive the the uh, the notion of 12 games during regular season with the exception of Hawaii every four years and allow Notre Dame to play, um you know, a 13th game, but I, how do you do that? When do you play it? When do you have a bye week? You can't just say you play the first weekend of December because it could interfere with a conference championship game. So, I mean, I see both sides. I understand why a coach, uh, other teams and, and programs and coaches would look at this and say, this isn't fair. Notre Dame's an independent. They only play 12 games, but, um, you know, what are you going to do? I, I I don't think there's an easy solution to this. I don't I don't think I see enough of the other side of this. I don't understand why. It, it only matters to coaches, this 13th game for Notre Dame, to other coaches. As you said, the, the, joining the conference isn't happening. So if they want Notre Dame to be involved in the 13th game to be in the playoff mix, that goes back to the, the overall body of your schedule. Can the 13th game be, as you said, Hawaii? Does that help Notre Dame get into the playoffs? Because they're 11-1 and and they play Hawaii on December 6th and beat Hawaii? Does that have anything to do with anything? Isn't yeah. Notre Dame playing, I think Pete hinted at this in, on Twitter, they have, you're, you're always playing 10 to 11 power conference teams, and you're not playing any FCF schools. Your, your body of work, if you're 11 and 1, obviously 12 and 0 is going to get them in. It's, that, that, that would always right. happen. That should be if you're 11 matter. and 1, 10 and 2 doesn't matter. If you're 11 and 1, it's your body of work against a team that wins its conference championship game. I don't see why you can't look at a team that played 13 games body of work and look at Notre Dame, who didn't play an FCF school, remove the FCF school, and all of a sudden, you're an 11-1 Alabama team. Like, <laughs> the reason there's a committee yeah. is to add some subjectivity and sort of decode whose 12 games are better than whose 13 games, or vice versa. That's the reason that exists. To me, the, the notion that Notre Dame should be in a conference to play a 13th game 
in the rare scenario where they're 11 and 1. That's the only scenario. So they can have a better advantage of making the playoff, and you're going to trade in a century of historical identity of your university is ridiculous. Like that, that, that is insane to me. So look, I get why the ACC coaches want Notre Dame to be a full member, because if you look at Notre Dame's trips to ACC venues over the last five years, they've played at Pitt twice. They've played (coughs) at BC twice. They played at wake once. And then you throw Florida state in there too. In terms of wake, BC and Pitt. Those were their biggest draws of the last five years against all Power Five teams, with the exception of Florida State came to Pitt once and that matched Notre Dame. So there, there's a lot of money on the table for more Notre Dame road trips to ACC schools. I get that. It would help the conference. But just in terms of the inability to judge Notre Dame because they only played 12 games is is just like this very... It's a, it's a simpleton's argument like there is that these like this is why these are these are football coaches and not mathematicians i get why they did it too because their one-year gag order of not being able to say anything bad about notre dame at the acc media day from last year's over so they get to talk about it i mean it's it's you're right it's it's absolutely the most myopic viewpoint in the world that they think notre dame the conference we don't need to discuss i don't get that that the need for a 13th game it it doesn't yes you you pete made the best point about this but i have to add no FCS game. I know why they're played. There's money involved. It helps. It helps your, your, the, the flow of your season. It's not a second buy. FCF schools need money to put that. It helps them when they play big time schools like Alabama and LSU. The game shouldn't count in your record from the committee. Why does a committee look and see if you beat well, Southeast Louisiana? That it it counted last year. Yeah, right? it shouldn't though. Well, <laughs> but it's so like, we have a, did, we have like, a committee problem. Yeah, but then. Yeah. did it? I mean, did it count? I don't know if it. I don't know. I or did what, Ohio what, State play so well that they were going to? What, that's what counted to me is Ohio State fifty nine, Wisconsin zero. If right. it was Ohio State fifteen, Wisconsin nine, well, I think TCU probably yeah. would have made it then. So, but we it, don't this know. This is that. like it's an Ohio State issue. Like Ohio State just left Wisconsin, laid them to waste, and if they didn't, then TCU or Baylor would have made it. And we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Now, what's the composition this of this game? year's committee? It's not the exact same people, is it? I mean, there there's some. Do you know? I don't know what Off changes. T- I, mean, I would actually. I don't. I didn't hear about changes other than the fact that I mean, they had to have some in season changes last year with the health with health issues. But I don't. I didn't hear of anybody changing out. It's certainly not radically different. Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe Jeff Long is still a chair of the old Arkansas AD. Like they they or I think maybe currently Arkansas AD. Like they need to. I think scale back some of these rankings a little bit and do it a bit later. That's another conversation. But the 13th game, I get why it could help Notre Dame. But, I mean, Jack Swarbrick has said, like, this is impossible. You can't just schedule a standing reservation with the Big 12 championship. No, the champion. No, and no matter, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you also made a great point to that, Pete, just before we start talking. A really good Notre Dame team that's in, involved in a championship hunt, the Big 12 team doesn't want to play it. And what's the the Big Twelve team would love to play an eight and five Notre Dame yeah. team to well, qualify for the playoffs? But that's what I said. Like, let's say that TCU hammered Notre Dame on the first week in December, which they would have last year. Would that really have helped TCU yeah. all that much? I don't. I, no, like it's it wouldn't have helped them as much as Ohio State pasting Wisconsin. Like, so if this is two thousand ten Notre Dame or eh, maybe two thousand eleven Notre Dame, not two thousand twelve, obviously, and not two thousand thirteen, like. 
I guess I don't I don't see the upside for for either party there. You have to have a guaranteed game against a really good team. Like Georgia Tech was a really good team, and Florida State got a bounce off that. Um, you know, if TCU and Baylor had somehow played again, they would have got a bounce mm-hmm. off that. BYU but, BYU might be that might be a, a relationship that you develop for a thirteenth game. I don't know. It better be if if you do go in that direction or forced to. And we're you know we're just speculating. Obviously, I'm speculating, but. It's got to be a home game, right? Because you already gave one up to go, you know, play the Shamrock Series, which I think you know, I've always thought is a detriment. I, I at least for the team, it's another thing that Brian Kelly would probably not be pleased with, along with with the. Uh, I enjoy them. The the, the <laughs> night games, yeah, yeah. But um, well, I don't know. I, I'm sure there'll be more complaints. We we got a taste of it. The gag order, as Tim said, is is uh, is over, and Open so season. now we know. Now we know exactly when you see Frank Beamer and David Cutcliffe commenting about it. You or, know, what about Mac Mike and Mac, <laughs> that Mac McIntyre? Fittingly, that's and Sonny Dykes. <laughs> like, I'm not sure why they get to have an opinion on this. <laughs> so, all right, well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll get back previewing Notre Dame's camp, who we're looking forward to see most, maybe who has the most approved next on our podcast. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com is the segment where we normally take questions from our readers. These questions are from the fertile mind of Tim O'Malley throughout the summer as we uh, as we head into the, uh, the the start of practice later this week. But just a couple of interesting questions uh, that I think our readers have found uh, to be entertaining and to speculate over along with us. But question number one, over the last year, starting from preseason camp, in 2014 to present, uh, which player has your perception changed the most on, whether it be positive or negative? I mean, is there another answer than Will Fuller to this one? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm taking Will Fuller. Because, yeah. uh, I, I mean, going into camp, I was looking, I do this sort of intermedia poll with some other reporters that Keith Arnold over at NBC puts together, your top 25 players. And I was looking at my list last year, which is always embarrassing. And Will Fuller wasn't on it, uh, and then he had 15 touchdowns. So, I mean, it, I kind of let myself off the hook a little bit because he wasn't a starter going into camp last year. Uh, but still, he went from rotation guy to declaring for the NFL draft a year from now. So, yeah. I mean, Will, Will Fuller, there are other guys, but Will Fuller is the runaway pick for me in this category. And I think I probably going the other way I, i've probably stopped waiting to see the magic out of greg bryant and i i know it's a negative but i think greg bryant would be a guy that i mean i went into camp last year thinking i cannot wait to see him and he and Folston together as a one-two punch by mid-september now I, even if he wasn't suspended i wouldn't that's part of it obviously Bryant would have been a top 25 last year yeah. right he was on my list he yeah. was on your yeah. list yeah you know when i looked at this question i didn't think in terms of I mean, I looked more like, okay, what players weren't respected by the masses? As it, Fuller, we just didn't know. So I, 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 that but wasn't who I thought of right away. But, but I understand. about like, Fuller, it was like, I remember watching him in camp, and he was like, ah, his hands aren't that good. Like, he, he didn't catch the ball real cleanly. The season ended, and we said his yeah, hands still like, weren't very good. He sort of, like, <laughs> caught the tail end of the football. So I was like, okay, you know, fast player, but there yeah. wasn't anything that yeah. really jumped off the yeah. page. I mean, I look at guys like, well, think about the perception of Farley at the end of 2013. Yeah, that's a good one. And then, and I don't know that everybody fully appreciates 
how good of a season Farley had last year. I thought I thought he was a real quality, solid football player. But I mean, the perception of Joe Schmidt has changed yeah. obviously dramatically when there were a lot of questions about him going into last year. C.J. Procise is now considered one of the great game breakers in their arsenal, and, and we certainly weren't thinking that last year. And I think Isaac Rochelle, when the news of Ishak Williams being out. It's like, oh my God, Rochelle's got to start now. Well, he ended up being a pretty good player last yeah, year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like when Low Wood blew out his Yeah, Kavari Russell. God, <laughs> he's never going to work out. Yeah. All right, number two, entering camp. You're much higher on this player than are the masses. Well, the masses high on Trombetti, like I am. Have I, have I talked about him enough from uh, from spring You're through high this on moment? Yeah. And with yeah. good reason. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, it doesn't have to be a superstar this year. I really, I mean, he, he might come into one of these questions later down the list here we're going to get to, but I'm very high on Trembetti as a full-time player. I don't think he needs to be heavily in a rotation. I think he will be because Aquar is a senior, and at least for September. Um, I'm, You know, Kelly's on record saying last year about McGlinchey and Lombard, it's hard to take out a senior. It's giving you a lot of work. Lombard, he would barely walk last yeah. November, and he wasn't taking him out, so right. I'm not sure Aquar's going to lose his job right away. I'm high on Trembetti, and, and I think I... I'm really high on Cole Luke uh, because I kind of throw away, not, I shouldn't throw it away completely, but he had a bad game against USC. Is it because they had so much talent? I mean, he, he got flipped to the other side. He got flipped to the left side to start the game for the first time all year. He's not going to, he had a very good year until that. I think he's better than he gets credit for. Um, I, I think that's so much of Kavari Russell right now that Cole Luke had a, Russell's going to be very good, but Cole Luke had a better sophomore year than Kavari Russell did. I think Elijah Shoemate's going to have a great year, but I've said that 80 times already now. James Anawalu, I think, is a guy that, um, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid now. I mean, I, you hear Brian Van Gorder talk about him enough. Um, he's been at the position now for a while. I think he's ready to, to really, he is listed as a starter. So I guess for them, it wouldn't be a shock. But I think for, for the masses, I, I don't think people know how to project James Anawalu as a, as a Sam linebacker. Yeah, I, I'm shoemate. I think we talked. I mentioned him last week. He's sort of the guy that I think is going to exceed expectations this year, uh, and that's hard to do with how much hype Notre Dame usually gets. But I, I just like the way he fits into that defense. He's a senior now. It's you know, it's a contract year for him. Um, I think there's some maturity and some self awareness about him. So shoemate's my pick for that question. Right. I- you Question right. number three, okay. I'll take it. Entering camp, you're a touch lower on this player than are the masses. Ooh, that, there's, I had a, a few guys for this. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, Corey Robinson for one, um, and I guess it depends on what people think Corey Robinson is going to be. Uh, there was a mock draft that had him in the first round, which is insane. That's insane. Um, I just think he's a good number two receiver. I'm, I, I'm sort of like in the – I'm not in that trombone camp – with O'Malley here, I think he's a good player. I'm not sure where everything is going to go with him. I, I think he could be a a good, above-average college player, but I think Notre Dame needs more than that. But, I mean, the guy that is, is first on my list here is Max Redfield, just because I don't, I don't understand him being a first-team All-American with Phil Steele based on one game. And it's not even the, the based on one game. It's like based on part of that one game, if you exclude the the long touchdown where he bit on play action. So I think, to me, Max Redfield has the most to prove, maybe short of Malik Zaire or anybody on this team. That's yeah, it. 
He had a high, he had a high tackle total against LSU, so he had a great game. I mean, that yeah. was kind of the perception out of that. I'm sorry, Tim. No, that, that yeah, I, I didn't even I, didn't, I just assumed that he was getting elevated because of his recruiting status, and now he's a second year starter. I can't imagine the LSU game puts you couldn't have watched the game and had Max Redfield be an All American candidate after that. It was certainly one of those two touchdowns was his fault. The yeah. giant opening in the middle of the field when there's no free safety involved has something to do with him in some way, well, shape, I, or form. I mean, I, it, yeah. those count too. You know, I think the upside for Shoemate is higher than Redfield going into this year. I I mean, like, that's a that's a playmaker. That's a guy that we've seen make plays, whether it's with his physicality or just you know, I mean, running around the field and being aggressive. I like Redfield's upside. I just the, you can't yeah. the first team All American, the fourth team All American is crazy. That's, none of that makes any sense I, for him at this point. Yeah, you know, the name that comes to mind for me is. And I and I'm, I hesitate to say it because I'm not really sure that I believe this, but <laughs> Niles Morgan because he was so lost last year. Now we've spoken to him a couple times. He's an impressive kid. You we saw him in the spring. He's impressive physically. He also could burst onto the scene and be a be a stud starting this fall. But he was so lost last year in so many games and so many situations that I can't just go all on board and say, okay, now he's ready to be a. Top-notch quality player. I wouldn't throw Morgan in there just because I because of Schmidt and Grace. I think there's there's just too many options for Notre Dame not to have one work. Um, so it's like if it doesn't work for Morgan this year, I don't think that's a indication that's not going to work for him ever. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I, but, I agree. He's really talented kid, and I, I I his his the way he thinks a game and his level of intelligence and approach is going to serve him well. Yeah, I I'm actually going to stay at the position, and this sounds mean, so I'm going to qualify it. If Grace is all the way back to exactly what he was before he got hurt, I still think Joe Schmidt was better than Grace ever. Joe Schmidt last year was better than Grace ever was, and I think Morgan will be better than Grace ever was. And I like Jared Grace, the player, as a part-time player, and you know he's a great kid. But I mean, I, I think he's the third best middle linebacker. Yeah, I mean somebody has to be in that yeah. group, and yeah. it's a it's a good group of guys. All right, number four, you expect this player to be the talk of fall camp in 2015? Kavari. It's got to be. I mean, that's who everybody's going to request right away and probably not get right away. And uh, he's that's a potential All-American for other people not thinking about all the guys he didn't play last year, obviously, and you wouldn't make him an All-American after his sophomore year. So it's not just because he can jump high into a box. I mean, as you said, it's he, he's got that... He's got the attitude for it, the approach. Uh, he's obviously been humbled. He's got the athletic ability, and he's got the experience. He might not have... He might be a touch rusty, but I mean, he's... Yeah, he'll he, be fine. He's going to be fine. Been, yeah. He's been working really hard. Jalen Smith, of course, he's on you know half the Midwestern covers of magazines that, that, that have Notre Dame featuring. And, and then plus, you know, how do they use him? Do they use him inside and outside? Does he bounce between the two? That makes it a more interesting story as well. I had Malik Sayer is the quarterback, new guy. Um, you know, that's going to be some of the first questions to Brian Kelly on Thursday. So it's just by nature of a new starting quarterback. If you can, if you can combine the newness and the quarterbackness, <laughs> yeah. you've got something that's going to be talked about a lot during fall camp. So he would be, he would be the guy for me. I have a goal to not overanalyze every slant that your throws this August. We're gonna let that go. All right, it, was, it seems well, we like because we don't have to compare him to the other guy that's anymore. <laughs> it's just it. It seems like you know. I just I really want to get back to the my point with him is. Get him in the game, pads on, gamer. He makes more plays than standing there throwing the ball. A guy for this category who probably is maybe a little less duh than Malik Zaire. I think C.J. Sanders we're going to hear a bunch about during camp. I was going to say Torrey Hunter, so so Sanders would have to take reps away from Torrey Hunter. I think Torrey Hunter's an interesting guy in that, you know, how much of a running back is C.J. Procise going to be if it's a lot, which it probably is. 
Um, you know, then it's Carlisle and Hunter playing that position. I and I can see Hunter having a really big, really big season. Yeah, because Amir's uh, has a little trouble staying healthy. Is a nice way to say. It. I think he does a good job when he's healthy. He looked yeah. really good last year, the first Man, couple I, of games. He was but, really yeah. potent on that seam route early in yeah, the season. Yeah, when he last came year. back, it, it took him a while, but he came back. He helped him. He looked really good against Arizona State, helping him come back. But I think he has a little, it's a little issue playing through it, and that's not being weak. I mean, that's just tough to play through knee injuries when you're a speed guy. Golson threw that seam route beautifully. That is a question mark. That that particular pass is a question mark for me with Malik Zaire. All right, number five. You think this player could lose his starting job or regular spot in the rotation between now and season's ends, excluding injury concerns? What about Smythe? Is that possible? I mean, that's who I wrote down. Okay, that's, that's who I wrote okay, down, I guess too. it is, then, if we all wrote it down. Yeah. But, and, I mean, Aquara is possible, I say. Yes. It wouldn't be right away. But it, We wrote it down <laughs> if possible. We've, we've made it so but, already. But, but how's he going? He's going to... He would lose time as a blocker that's, to yeah, Lua, too. I don't yeah. see Lua, too, beating him out as a pass receiver. No, but I would wonder if there's a combination of players that could take time away, is kind of how I was looking at it. It's you, a, I mean, you mentioned this earlier. It's, it's so rare for a younger player to beat out an older player who's actually played... You know, Durham Smythe jump comes to mind because he hasn't played enough. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, just look at him physically. I think it's it's going to be him and Alize Jones. So I, I, I think it's going to be more like Lua Tua or Nick Wisher. But I don't know if they've they've barely played at all. So I don't yeah. know if they really qualify for an answer. That'll be here. a fun position to watch because there's a lot of moving parts there, and we don't have any. It's it's difficult to have any preconceived notions about that position, including Alize Jones. I mean, we we're we're. Exp- we're expecting to be really impressed with what we see by him, but will he adapt quickly? Will he be physical enough? That'll all be part of the equation. What about Oquara? I thought you were going to say Trombetti's going to beat I, out Oquara. I'll go with the senior rule there, yeah. but I think he can. Maybe eventually, but I think there's a heavy, just a heavy rotation that'll work between those two. Yeah, like I think it will last too. Year. I'm also this off topic a little bit, but Jonathan Bonner. I think it's going to be fun to watch him. He's not going to beat out Isaac Rochelle, but. That's a kid that I really like coming out of high school. They liked him in well, they liked him when he came in last year, and I think he got overwhelmed by by the system and everything. And they liked him in the spring too. So it'll be interesting to see what how much of an impact he makes. All right. Well, Tim has already answered our final question. I did. Uh, yes. The player you're most interested in watching monitoring <laughs> no. during training right, camp, guys, not named ahead. Jonathan Bonner. Yeah, he also took my answer. Yeah. So there's <laughs> I mean, I think we're getting, a, we could get through a lot. At this point, you're looking at a lot of freshmen. You have C.J. Sanders and Jones, obviously. I, we need to see the running backs, at least early in camp, to see if they will be involved. They're, they might just, you could easily go with two guys for September. If nobody gets hurt, they got to prepare a third. doesn't mean he has to play. Um, I, I, it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't say I want to see if Max Redfield looks the part on the field and everything. <laughs> so he'd be one. But, Tim, that point on Bonner is great because they were so high on him. At the beginning of spring. Yeah. And if if he can bring anything in the, in the pass rush and... and we both liked him. Yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's Come legit. On. Now he got overwhelmed, but I mean, I what I loved what I saw him on high school film. I think he's versatile. I think he's adaptable. He, he's he has the he has the body makeup and the athleticism to play more than one position along the defensive line. He's at he's at the strong side defensive end, and I'm sure he'll stay there. But I, I think he's a real talent. Jaron Jones' health, because I think yeah. it's like one of the biggest keys to the season. And, you know, if we get in there Thursday and Brian Kelly says, you know, Jaron Jones is 100% ready to go, but we're going to limit his reps, I'm not buying that because that's not what you do with guys who are 100%. They played Sheldon Day with like a bad knee through spring practice. Um, so Jaron Jones needs work. It's not like he's a three year starter. Uh, he's basically had a 16 game career. Last year, and then yeah. the final three games of his sophomore season. So, 
if Jerron Jones, if we're hearing that he's going to be limited or he's held out, that is a really bad sign for the season because then you're flipping it into Jerry Tillery. Do you move Bonner back inside? Does Rochelle move inside? Are we and back to Daniel Cage? Yeah, it's that's not a healthy situation for Notre Dame. He's the second most important player on the team. Yeah. I mean, it's the, that, you're right, that's number one. I, and on that, I'd like to see, obviously, I want to watch Joe Schmidt. I want to make sure Joe Schmidt, they're not going to be in pads on uh, the first day we see him, but he better be in pads the second time we see them. Yeah, Schmidt and Grace will be interesting, um, you know, to watch those guys. And we'll be, uh, uh, Brian Kelly will, will speak with us on Thursday. We will all be uh, going to Culver on Friday for the first practice as we did last year. And so... We are close. We're ready to hit it here. Um, should be a good Notre Dame football team. A lot to watch. A lot of moving parts. Good depth. And um, a, a, a real chance for Notre Dame to uh, to land a playoff bid this year. You going to take us out of here, Pete? That's it for Irish Illustrated. <laughs> Brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. We'll talk to you next week. We're out of here. <laughs>